Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Ever since I've heard about two Cedarville University graduates riding their bicycles to a friend's wedding, I've been looking forward to sharing the story on the podcast. Well, today is the day for this program as I have Eli Wicker and Jonathan VM in studio to talk about their trek from Cedarville, Ohio to Keene, New Hampshire. And just in case you're wondering, that's approximately 1,000 miles or approximately 60 miles a day. Eli earned a degree in molecular biology in 2022, and Jonathan graduated in 2023 with a degree in mechanical engineering. Congratulations on successfully riding your bikes from Ohio to New Hampshire. Eli and Jonathan, welcome to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Eli and Jonathan, it's great to have you in the studio. Welcome to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Before we get to the bike portion of the story, I want to learn more about Eli and what you are doing professionally. And then later to hear about Jonathan, uh, your plans after graduation, which you just graduated in May. So Eli, what are you doing now, at, now that you graduated oh, more than a year ago? Uh, yeah, so I came to school originally on a pre-med track and have since kind of felt the Lord's direction to lean more, in, more into like a full-time ministry route. So I'm currently volunteering with Young Life uh, Ministry in Springfield and just really developed a heart and have really fallen in love with the high school students that are there. And so I've decided to stay in Springfield for the next couple of years and to keep pouring into these relationships with these young guys that I've been getting to know and, and mentor and yeah, very much here for, for the ministry that I've been a part of and I've really enjoyed it for those reasons. Right now, do you see that as something long-term or do you see you really going back into the medical field like you thought you were going to earlier? Kind of up in the year, definitely not long-term what I'm doing now. Uh, I came up in January with, with no plans as far as work-wise, but felt like the Lord wanted me in this area with these kids. And so kind of up here for that reason. And kind of over the, that's kind of the summer goal is to figure out a more of a long-term job plan. But as of right now, it's very much unfigured out. But okay. how about you, Jonathan? So I'm going up to Detroit. I have um, kind of a mechanical engineering offer that I'll be working there. So manufacturing automotive, which is very big in Detroit. Yeah. Um, so my view for using engineering has always been to be a platform for other people going on ministry. Uh, so supporting ministries. So two ways I'm going to be doing that yeah. is firstly, just with funds. So be able to support people like Eli, for example, if he stays with Young Life, it's self-supported. So be able to support him there. And then I'm also working with my father who has a small company doing 3D printing. Um, mm. So again, manufacturing is kind of what I'll be specializing in. And he's picking up a lot of projects. So I'll be taking projects off his hands to kind of free him up. Again, being a platform for his ministry okay. because he's trying to focus on planting churches, especially in France, which is um, where we originally came from. And so freeing up his hands will allow him then to be more involved in church planting there. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm really excited about this program today because, you know, we're going to talk about riding a bicycle, but boy, just hearing the heart that you guys just express is really exciting to me. Are you or your parents, are they from the Detroit area? Uh, my mother is American, came from New Jersey area, yeah. and then my uh, father grew up in France. Yeah. So my mom went on a short missions trip to France, met my dad, they got married there. And then growing up, my oldest brother knew he wanted to come to Cedarville. So we prayed for a door to open up, a door opened up in Detroit, and that's how we came to Detroit. It's a great city with a lot of need, so I'm glad you're there serving the Lord. So I understand in preparation of today's program that 
throughout your college experience, you guys have been friends for at least four years, five years maybe, that during your college years, you guys took trips together. Maybe other friends did as well. Where all did you go on these trips? And do you have a favorite trip outside of the, the bike trip that you just took? Freshman year, spring break, we went on a trip down to Tennessee in North Carolina with a group of friends. That was our first trip together. And then uh, we went down and actually saw a, a Kanye West Sunday service uh, <laughs> when he was at the the height of his Christian fame uh, with a group of guys down in Tennessee. I believe that's that's the extent of the trips that we've done. Let's talk about the bike ride, uh, which is the main purpose of today's program. That bike ride, I believe, began May 11th. And it concluded with Will Infeld's wedding in Keene, New Hampshire. He was married on May 28th. But when did you actually arrive in Keene? So we, well, initially we didn't even really know when we would arrive. <laughs> I want to get to there too. <laughs> but we, so we arrived May 26th. So we knew wedding stuff started the 27th since we're both in the party. It was the rehearsal dinner. So we wanted to get there at least a day earlier. Um, so we got there two days before the wedding. So you guys were both groomsmen. Mm -hmm. That's so, correct, yeah. So um, did the responsibility of being a groomsman put extra pressure on you as you were riding because you guys can't be late? Did you? Or sunburned. Yeah. Or sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and were you sunburned? Uh, nah, a little bit, not not as much as I was previously in the trip. <laughs> was there ever a moment on the, on the ride that you thought you might have to scrap plans and call ahead and have someone come pick you up? We never actually planned for it because there was never a lot of planning, but it was definitely <laughs> very nice knowing in the back of, my, of our minds, if we need this, there's a ton of people riding up from Ohio. We'll be on the way. They can pick us up. And when you say riding up, meaning driving up. Meaning yes, driving yes. up. Okay. That's correct. Yeah, I don't think you can get on somebody else's bicycle <laughs> with them. Sometimes I wish I could have. <laughs> was it hard? Sometimes, yeah. We'll Especially going up the mountains. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit in the program. So who's, whose idea was this to ride almost 1,000 miles from a— from Cedarville, Ohio to Keene, New Hampshire. It was originally my idea uh, over COVID when we all got sent home for the summer. The thought originally popped in my mind of, oh, probably not a lot practically is going to happen over this summer. It would be pretty neat to, to do something cool. And uh, for some reason, biking across the United States popped in my mind, which takes about two and a half to three months. So I was like, of all the times in life to, to have yeah. two and a half months, three months off of life, it would be 20, 20 summer. So... But then, yeah, we didn't end up getting it, getting it done there. But then we toyed with the idea back and forth for the rest of our Cedarville experience and kind of always thought about it. And Well, then we really quickly brought up the idea of, oh, maybe a shorter trip would be biking to Will's wedding. It's about 1,000 miles. But we dismissed it pretty quick because it was going to be cold. So we then huh. thought about doing a West Coast trip where we yeah. would fly our bikes out, bike along the West Coast, and then fly our bikes back, uh, which logistically is really difficult to do. So then we went back to the idea of biking to Will's wedding. So Will, the groom, he was part of the ride initially, at least starting out of Cedarville, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Jay Kinzinger, who's professor of biomedical and mechanical engineering, he was part of the, the mm -hmm. initial trip. So how many days did Will and Jay ride with you guys? So the initial plan was Will and Jay riding out for three days with us. The way you count it is about a day of riding your bike is about an hour of car ride. So that way we'd be three hours away. And then Ben Kinsinger, who's Jay's son, would come pick both of them up, drive him back. Okay. So that went along to plan until we got to day three, where we were able to convince Willem Feld, <laughs> since his siblings decided or made a, a commitment that wherever Will ends up on the trip, 
when he wants to turn around, they'll drive up from Kentucky and pick him up. Okay. And they held up to that. So when we got to the third day, Will decided, you know what, I'll stay at least a bit longer. And once we knew he would stay more than three days, we knew he'd stay a pretty significant amount of time. So how long, how close to the wedding did he actually ride? So he did 10 days with us, which the total trip was 16 days. More and than he half. did 500 miles with us. That'd be fun. Yeah. It was great. It was scary sometimes because the car will drive pretty <laughs> close to him and you know your responsibilities to protect him before the wedding. Yeah, he, nothing can happen to him because he... No. <laughs> what happened? What would happen if uh, something happened to him and you guys would take the blame, right? Absolutely. Oh, we would have. <laughs> yeah. I think Eli, a couple of times, there was a few close calls with cars and... Definitely, Eli would think about it a bit. Yeah. Nothing like that happened, but I, I was told that while you were riding, you had a lot of abrasions on your face and your arms, but that wasn't from bike riding. That was from pre-wedding events down <laughs> south where you guys were wrestling with each other. Is that true? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. What was that all about? Just just guys being guys, you know, on a bachelor board. You can't say much more than that. <laughs> the way the timing worked out is right after graduation, we had enough days to fit in a bachelor party. So we all drove down to Tennessee for a few days. To, his, how, to his, his house? And then drove back to Ohio. So we had three days of, of guy time. Yeah. That's, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Great memories. Oh, yeah. Great memories. So part of the adventure, at least for Jonathan, it was riding a handcrafted walnut bicycle that you made in a mechanical engineering class with Professor Kensinger. Now, truth be told, you only finished the bike one day before you left. So how did the bike perform for you? It performed great. And when I say it was finished the day before, I was able to ride it at like 11 p.m. the night before, but it wasn't even completed. We actually, <laughs> at like 8 a.m. the morning of the ride, went to Walmart, bought a few supplies and finished the bike at like <laughs> 9 a.m. in the morning when we were leaving at 10.30 was that an e-bike or a normal bike? So there was a normal bike. So yeah, worked on it with him really for the course of the whole year, uh, which was a great experience. Sweet time with him, um, working and learning. And I love woodworking. He does too. So it was a sweet just learning experience time together. Yeah. But man, the bike held up great. It's it's so much fun to be riding and look down and it's a beautiful walnut frame. Absolutely. It's one of the most beautiful bikes I've ever seen. And uh, I, I told Jonathan before Will or Eli came into the, the room in the studio that uh, I rode Professor Kentinger's e-bike one mm-hmm. time to uh, the University of Notre Dame. Boy, that ride's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, can, I can imagine even the without the um, assistance, it, it's a smooth ride. It's a smooth ride, yeah. The way, the way wood goes is wood is a bunch of small mass spring dampers. So yeah. instead of resonating sound, it dampens it. And you really feel that on the road. Yeah. We're recording today's program on June 2nd, and it's a beautiful sunny day here in Cedarville. But I don't believe that was always the case for you guys when you were riding to New Hampshire. In fact, on your third day, you encountered heavy rain. I think it was around Mount Vernon, Ohio. Eli, can you share with us this experience, how weather can make riding a bicycle more challenging? Yeah. Um, Yes, originally I was really excited just to be outside for like two weeks and just kind of experience all the elements of, you know, warmth and cold and rain and sunshine is kind of appreciate, you know, the diversity of weather. And then, you know, that's, that was, that was my, my mindset in theory before leaving. And then waking up, we were sleeping on a garage floor and we woke up and it was the forecast for the day was hundred percent chance of rain for the first like five hours. And we were planning on riding about 80 miles. So we were like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get started regardless. And so 
everyone was, everyone, you know, it's only day three. So we we're all pretty, pretty excited to go yeah. when we started out and very quickly realized how, I guess miserable is kind of the right word it can be because the rain is just, you know, you're, you're also pedaling, you know, around 12 miles per hour forward. So the rain is battering your eyes and it's cold and just everything's wet and, you know, nothing responds well as it could be. And it's harder to see cars and as cars go by, they, you know, they, they splash you and just kind of, it just gets very cold, very quick. And all of a sudden you're just like, this is not nearly as much fun as I thought it could be. But, so were you, were you guys prepared for inclement weather? Did you take gear that would protect you? <laughs> Somewhat. Our bags were very dry proof or wet proof. So that was not a problem. Um, right. I brought two raincoats along, which were actually windbreakers. We found that out on the third day when they were just soaking up rain. Um, and then it got so bad. We, I mean, we must've ridden for like 20 minutes and then we just went to find shelter. Okay. So how many, how many miles did you get in on that day? You wanted to go 80. You said, Eli. Did we, did we get about 80? We, we actually did get 80. So the, I mean, it really was the Lord's blessing. So it was supposed to rain for five hours that day. So we start the ride. There was an issue with Mr. Kinsinger's bike. We had to stop. Uh, and I mean, that was like three miles in. And then, and then the rain just stopped. And for the rest of the day, it didn't rain anymore. Now, because Jay is a friend of mine. I mean, we just can't say something happened to Mr. Kinsinger's bike. <laughs> oh, yeah, very Because we really know what happened. Um, he failed to adequately charge his e-bike, correct? Even, so, so, the, so the bike was dead. The bike, the bike was dead. It was even worse than that. Is in the yes, the bike wasn't fully charged. But we start riding, and so we rode for ten minutes, and his bike just gets completely unresponsive. So if it if it's out of batteries, you'll still have a little LED light on or okay. something. But it like fully shut off. So we pull over because he's carrying like I mean the whole bike setup is about a hundred pounds. So we know we can't really go far. So we pull over and we look at the bike and there's a, a plug for the rain, which you're supposed to close when it rains. Oh, he kept it open. Which was open. And it just soaked up. The motor just soaked up. Yeah, right? it was it was directly in front of the bike. And so all the water coming off the front tire pretty much shot directly in this little valve port. <laughs> just super waterlogging the bike. It's the charging outlet. The charging outlet was open. <laughs> yeah. So to me, there's a spiritual component to that story and that is grace and mercy that you guys showed to the professor is that how you see it as well i would say so but really i mean if it's also just like a story of courage from his part because mm -hmm. like mr kinsinger decided to instead of taking a regular bike take an e-bike because he was thinking it might be an issue trying to catch up with us so he was being gracious to us he didn't want to be the guy kind of falling behind right but then the rest of the day was a slide uphill for 40 miles because he was going to get picked up at mile 40. And he's carrying a 100 pounds of gear total because he's also carrying all of Will's gear. Mm -hmm. And he got on his bike and he pedaled with a dead e-bike <laughs> slightly uphill for 40 miles straight without at our pace. Without complaining. Without a complaining. single complaint. Yeah. He just, I mean, pedaled. In talking with, I, I learned the story from, from him. So I think it's great that you guys just didn't leave them in the dust. And you, you, you guys started it out together and you're going to finish together. I think that was a great uh, story uh, to tell. So yeah, um, yeah he was and appreciative. It, and yeah, and it was just great to have him. And I think it really goes to show like what mattered the most on the trip was relationships. Mm -hmm. why, why so? 
honestly, like the the most joy that we got to experience was from spending time with people. I thought mm -hmm. it might be the bikes. I tend to be more introverted, but just the connections we were able to make with people, like genuine friendships, care, generosity, and it really brought so much joy. It was it was really sweet. In in talking with Jay, you know, I asked him like, where did you guys stay? And uh, and he told me about warm showers, which I wasn't familiar with. And so warm showers um, for our listeners is really about cyclists all over the country. They're kind of like a, a network. And if you reach out to them through their system, they're inclined to allow you to pitch a tent somewhere or stay in a house and definitely give you a warm shower, which is, especially when you're in, in that cold rain, mm -hmm. nothing could have been better than a warm shower once you got off the bike. And you had a great situation. You were in Mount Vernon, Ohio, a town I used to live in, and you were staying with a retired professor at a university, a guy I used to work with. And um, you took a conversation with, with this professor who maybe was a little cynical, maybe it was a little more political in nature, but you guys were able to steer that conversation from the cynicism and politics to Jesus and the gospel. Talk to us about that, Eli. Yeah, so first off, we just want to want to, want to thank the, the guy that we stay with in Mount Vernon for hosting us because it's a phenomenal experience and cooked just an amazing meal. And yeah, just really cool, the hospitality that he showed for, you know, he had no reason to do it other than he wanted to. And it's really cool to be just, we just had to experience a, a ton of hospitality, which was really cool and humbling to see. Yeah, it was, you know, the, the conversation for most of dinner was, mostly bike related. And this guy's traveled over 70,000 miles on, right. on bicycle. So he's traveled all over the globe and almost every continent, um, all over the place and has had amazing experiences and amazing stories and just so much adventure in his life biking. So that was, that was kind of the majority of dinner. And um, we're talking about career stuff and just what he's doing now. And I forget exactly where the conversation was, but it's actually Will Enfeld, the groom who, um, who's now pursuing an MDiv here at Cedarville. And He's always great to, uh, to turn things to Jesus. And he, um, I forget which question he asked the professor. Can't remember, but just like a very natural, like right into the conversation. Yeah. And then it was cool to see, yeah, the, the retired professor just, yeah, very much became, like the conversation went from, you know, one-upping each other with stories about traveling and such and who's seen what and what cool experiences. And this really open and honest conversation about the church and the direction of the church in um, just kind of how he's seen things shift during his timeline in, in Mount Vernon and um, different views he has as a professor and how those have changed. And it was really cool to see. And it was mostly dialogue between between Jay and Will and the professor um, going back and forth about um, yeah why some of the stuff he's feeling is true and why some of the stuff he's feeling is not true. And um, Will's very much an encourager, and it was cool to see Will encourage him to not be disenchanted by failures of humans as sinful people in the for the global church, but to remember that our hope is not in our experience and the hope is not in our own accomplishments or in people or the church, but that our, our hope is in Jesus Christ and what he's done in his finished work on the cross, which yeah. is was really amazing. And it was just a phenomenal way to wrap up dinner and, and a great day. And it was just really cool to see just how that conversation went in Will's heart. Yeah. And it was also really sweet to see the professor's humility in, even though he might've been cynical, but just listening to us. Yeah. Cause like, again, this is a college professor. We just graduated college. Right. We came to his house bringing nothing. He's welcoming us, giving us a dinner, a place to sleep. And yet he sits at dinner and allows us to just bring challenging questions to him. 
and just humbly listens to us. It was a really sweet conversation. And at the end, if if I heard correctly from Jay, he thanked you mm-hmm. for leading the conversation in the way that you did. In fact, I think he said something like, I needed that. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's fabulous. Well, Caroline Tomlinson, who I, I know you both know, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a news story about your experience that's been covered by various media outlets. And in the story, she quotes Eli, where you were surprised by the generosity and hospitality of people you met along the way, including the retired college professor from Mount Vernon. How will those experiences, those issues of generosity and hospitality transform you going forward as you have the opportunity or see the opportunity to seek to serve Mm -hmm. other people? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool using using uh, warm showers, but also uh, using families that we knew from Cedarville, as well as friends of friends of friends, and then total <laughs> strangers all welcoming us into their home. Um, most oftentimes, feeding us and just really loving on us from with a love, and if they're a Christian or not, just with this love that was really real. And as like I often haven't been in a position of need, and so it was cool showing up on people's doorsteps, extremely fatigued, and um, sweaty and gross and smelly and being just absurdly hungry. And it was cool to actually like be in a place of need and to experience real like warmth and love and like to have tangible needs met. It was really cool to see like, um, yeah, what that felt like. And Jonathan was very quick on the trip to mention that like, this is totally what the, what the church is supposed to be like this network of hospitality and this network of friendship and all, you know, ours was based on the common bond of, um, of bicycling and, and enjoying cycling and, you know, this kind of mode of travel. But, you know, how much greater is that is our common bond of Christ and how we should be hospitable. And Jonathan's family has been very hospitable to us and as well as mine. So we've had this model for us for our whole life, but it was really cool to see and to be in a position of need, just how much of an impact, I don't know how much of an impact we had on the people that we stayed with, but as the bikers who received the kindness and hospitality it just went so much a long way and yeah for the rest of time we'll remember everyone's kindness and i know i'm definitely eager to extend that to the high schoolers in springfield as well as just um everywhere else i go in life to open my to be quick to open up my home and quick to love others with physical needs as well as in conversation about jesus (laughs) that's that's neat uh eli so is it fair to say this may be one of the first times that there was a real need that you felt in your life that you needed help with? Honestly, yeah, I think, I mean, both Eli and I grew up very privileged, um, like two-parent household, always had what we needed growing up. So it was really interesting being on a trip where we're basically homeless. I think we kind of yeah. realized that the third day, and it's like, well, we're on our bike. Everything we own for the next two weeks fits on our bike. And all we have is like one meal, a tent to pitch, and so you, you become very dependent on other people. You feel very dependent on other people's generosity. And it was just so sweet to be able to experience that. You feel very simple. And it like helps you just be grateful for such smaller things. Yeah. Like a meal is so much bigger. Um, for example, I could feel my body physically really in need when you bike 60, 70 miles and you kind of start to what they call bonk or hit the wall. Yeah. And like, one granola bar will literally completely like it just feels so refilling mm. and just yeah just being like at a very palpable physical need and 
it's met with such a small thing, but you really feel it met. And it speaks to our need in Christ mm-hmm. and um, how satisfying he is. Yes. You said that you'd, you'd pack one for one meal during the, during the day. So did you guys have all your meals prepared and you took them from, all, from the very beginning? Or did you have to go to the grocery store in, in town and buy stuff while you're, while you're riding? How did that work? Kind of how we how we tentatively planned with the advice of Mr. And Mrs. Kinsinger was um, wake up, try and bike twenty to forty miles before, and then stop at a diner and load up on breakfast food, which is uh, generally you know you can get a, a stack of pancakes for for pretty cheap, which goes a long way because your body just craves carbs like nothing else, yeah. and then um, just snack for the rest of the day on granola bars and. Um, other kind of snacks, uh, peanut M and M's, and then <laughs> uh, and then stop somewhere good for dinner, and then or whatever house you're staying at, stop in, pick out on a big dinner there, and then sleep and kind of wake up and repeat the process. So we only had so at all times we had a we each had a freeze dried meal in our bags with a way to prepare it just in case kind of things went south, it, um, and then just granola bars and past that we carried no other food with us. Okay. Yeah, I mean, on the peanut M and M's, Eli ate an entire <laughs> bag on the first day. So Eli, <laughs> the first day we were not prepared well. <laughs> we weren't. We were not prepared. But then, yeah, then we. It was super sweet because we had a way for people to donate money. Okay. On the trip, and a lot of people would just like pay for our meals on the way. So we got to try out a bunch of sweet little diners, a bunch of sweet restaurants. That's neat. But really, yeah, there was no plan for food. We would just stop wherever there is a grocery store and. That'd be our meal for the day. So here's a highly personal question. Did you gain weight or lose weight on the trip or stay the same? We were anticipating, having never done a long cycle trip in our lives, we were anticipating uh, to gain a lot of mass in our quads and to lose a lot of weight everywhere else. And we were, we're not actually stressing, but we were joking about if wedding clothes were going to fit <laughs> because we weren't able to try them on until two days before the wedding from an online rental company. So it, it would have been a done deal if they didn't fit. Um, and so that's kind of the, the body change we're anticipating, but about like day 10, we definitely thought that we had gained weight because like people were very generous and we yeah. ate really well and like <laughs> it was phenomenal. But then maybe I think the last couple of days of the trip, we definitely ate less in our camping venture and, um, yeah, we definitely think we kind of equalized, but yeah. Okay. I told you, I, I rode from Dayton to South Bend, Indiana a couple of times and I always thought I would lose weight. Because mm-hmm. that's a lot of writing. I think I gained weight. It's so <laughs> odd how it works. It is. Because you're eating all those carbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you're exercising all day, but it's still cut up to me a little bit. But um, yeah. Someone says that cycling is just an excuse to snack. Which yeah. Is awesome. <laughs> and sleep well. Yeah. It's true. You don't feel guilty, do you? Yeah. You're snacking. Mm-hmm. So in our final few minutes together, it's just been a fun conversation. I'm so glad that uh, Caroline recommended you guys for the program. And I hope our listeners are enjoying today's uh, story. Um, but where was the most challenging part of the trip for each of you? So as you think back, was it the day three rainstorm, Mount Vernon to Millersburg or or the mountains? What was the most challenging for you guys? Uh, for me personally, it was we were exiting. Yeah, we were, we were going, we were biking through along the outskirts of Cleveland to a town called Mentor. Sure. Um, and we had a long ride, it ended up being about 90 miles and just pretty unpredictable. We started the day, we, we left an amazing family that fed us really, really well and offered for us to stay much longer. And so kind of in the back of the mind, the whole day was we could be very comfortable right now eating really good food. Um, and then we got to bike through the national park 
um, which was beautiful. And it was Mother's Day. It was a Sunday. It was beautiful. All these families were out. It just was gorgeous. And then uh, we went from nice paved roads to this kind of heavy sand that was just slower. And then the wind turned against us. And then we left this bike path and realized that we're going to be cycling on the roads for the next couple of days and biking. It was just a busy Sunday. And so traffic was a nightmare. We're going through kind of the outskirts of Cleveland, which was um, just the, the streets were filled with glass and we were worried about punctures. And again, the wind was brutal and we weren't really sure where we were going. We it kind of got figured out in the early afternoon and it was a friend of a friend of a friend and kind of in the back of my mind was maybe we should try just camping or, you know, cut it short and go somewhere else. And it kind of just seemed like a stretch. Um, and so the whole day was kind of like, it was just was extremely exhausting and we didn't all like, it didn't seem like we were all quite on the same page about like lodging, but it just was very, kind of everything was up in the air. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just was a, a long day physically, yeah. Yeah. but we were, we were greeted with amazing hosts who fed us well and loved on us well. And it yeah. was, yeah, it just was amazing. It's amazing the relief when you arrive at your destination mm-hmm. yeah, from absolutely. a long day of uncertainty. Yeah. Before Jonathan ans- answers that question, so Eli, were there a- were there any accidents, any flat tires or anything like that that you experienced? Hmm. No, or I, I had to get my, my rear derailleur fixed at a mechanic and then Jonathan had some derailleur problems later on in the trip as well that didn't need a mechanic. But it just took uh, like about an hour to fix. But past that, we had no tire issues, no accidents, no major injuries, and so yeah, very blessed in that way. And you protected Will. Absolutely, yeah, we protected Will. <laughs> <laughs> we kept him safe. Yeah, we, that's all us. <laughs> Jonathan, what was the most challenging part of the trip for you? Must have been day, I think day thirteen or fourteen was the first day we really started hitting mountains, and the morning just started with a, a tough climb. It was like four or five miles at a ten percent grade. Oh which was rough, took us over an hour and a half. And then it was a nice downhill. We had breakfast. Eli had plenty of coffee. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then we (laughs) continued going on with hills all day. And I just, like, I had a hard time. It's really difficult when you get pushed physically, like, so far. And then mentally, you just become very, I think, vulnerable. I was just having, like, almost a little tantrum inside myself. It was just like, oh, what a tough day. But thankfully, Eli was there just kind of pointing out it was beautiful outside. The The landscape was amazing. The forests were gorgeous. So just kind of taking in those small reminders. And it's amazing how such a small thing as just, oh, this beautiful world God created yeah. and just enjoying it was yeah. helpful to get through the day. But it was tough. Did you ever want to just quit and have someone pick you up? This, there's one hill, one hill specifically. <laughs> we got around the corner and cars were passing us, and it looked like they were going up to heaven. I mean, it yeah, was it was, a steep it was intense. Hill. And we'd been on where, this. Where was that? Where was that mountain? So this was our second to last day because this was mm-hmm. arriving. So, so you're in New Hampshire. We're in New Hampshire by then. Um, we're arriving in this tiny little town. Mm-hmm. So we did dinner, and then after dinner, we had six miles left until our final destination. And I mean, we did not realize how hilly it gets, and it was just straight up for six miles, and it's the green mountains are it's short little climbs but they are so steep mm-hmm. that it really is so demoralizing it feels like looking up a wall and but and we've been doing hills all day and it was we uh we both had kind of bonked and we stopped at a small grocery store and just ate a couple bagels each and we're like all right we'll we'll just kind of we didn't we at this point it was 4 30 we had no idea where we were sleeping and we had talked to the store owner and he recommended that there was this field behind a fire department that we could probably pitch our tent in. But again, it was probably pitch a tent in and we tried calling and there was, there was no answers. And so you're like, I guess we'll just 
keep biking through these hills and hope. But, you know, if not, if, if, if the place you hope to stay doesn't pan out, you have to get back on the bike and bike who knows how many more miles. Which, so it's kind of, by that point, two miles sounded like an eternity. Sure. And if that place doesn't work out, it's two miles back or two miles to the next place. You know, and then, you know, as daylight kind of starts to wrap up and mosquitoes come out, you're just like, it's kind of, you know, you want to, you want to be confident that you can set up your tent and lay down and rest. Um, but yeah, so you, we've been on this gradual uphill and then, yeah, you turn the corner and all of a sudden all the cars are just, you know, slowing down and climbing this hill under very low gear. And it was very demoralizing. I'd want to hold on to one of those cars. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And let them pull you up. Yeah. Oh, I wish we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're glad you didn't now though. Right? I'm, I'm glad I can say we finished the hill, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, getting to the wedding and seeing Will get married was made everything worthwhile, right? Mm-hmm. It really did. It was so sweet. So you you completed, you, you got to Keene, New Hampshire in time for all the pre-wedding uh, festivities and the wedding. Um, you've gone on various trips. Now that you're, you're college graduates, do you guys see future excursions with the two of you and others uh, like this, or do you think you're done? I think this definitely is just the beginning. I totally want to do this again. Eventually, if we're able to do a trip across the U.S., like kind of the original idea, I think that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially now we have such a clear idea of how to plan, uh, what things look like. So I'm glad for this trip we just got on our bikes and went and didn't try to plan too much. <laughs> and now we have a great idea of what it looks like, and I absolutely want to do this again. How did you guys go about getting these warm showers or... <laughs> Who helped you with that? So, unfortunately, the app actually did not work for us. So the it first <laughs> they did not. So the first three days we had Jay's contact, which was amazing. And then we kept trying to work the website, but it only works on computer, and none of us had a computer. Um, so That's we, silly. Which I know it. You would think for a traveler app, it would <laughs> right, work on your phone, right? Um, at least that's what we thought, but we were wrong. So we just kind of randomly contacted people in the beginning as we were kind of within the range of where suitable our suitable friends lived we could text them and then they would text their friends so we could stay there and then as we got further we would honestly call random people we'd call the churches in a city Mm -hmm. which one of the churches we called uh the pastor said he'd welcome us into his house and once we got there he actually was a suitable uh he went to suitable he said oh we're a suitable family he got his MDiv at Cedarville. How his about kids that? Went we, went to to, we went to school with his daughter. Really? And it was really we yeah we had no idea that they were that connected. So we yeah we arrived at his house and he goes, yeah. So we're a Cedarville family. We were all just shocked. And it was such a fun dinner of hearing about his ministry and his church and his family and knowing common people and it was it was great. It was where great. where was that? Do you recall what this city or in, state? By this must have been close to Erie. Yeah, this was close to Erie. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, again, such a random connection for us because right. we literally looked on maps and found a church called and right away he welcomed us. We didn't think about it, but we said, hey, we're Cedarville students writing up to a wedding. Right. So he initially made the connection, but didn't say anything. How about that? He was thinking we went on like Cedarville's website and found him or something. Right. Oh, and wow. So it was a great night of just encouragement uh, back and forth. And it was really, it was really sweet. Oh, that's fabulous. Um, Eli and Jonathan, uh, I've enjoyed listening to your story and just hearing your heart, it's, uh, it's encouraging for an older guy to hear uh, how young people are really focused on serving Jesus. Thanks for sharing your great story this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Great to have you. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.